Intuitive Leadership Mastery, the podcast for entrepreneurs and leaders like you who want to double profits and half stress by improving your business intuition. Learn how with your host, Michaela Light. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Andy DeLumiere, and we're going to be talking about how you can tune in your, your intuition without leaving your logical mind at the door. And uh, if you don't know Angie, she's based in the United Kingdom, originally born in France. Um, and she is an author and also has created some Oracle decks. We'll talk about that. And uh, she used to be an attorney. So real turnaround there to go to a, being a business intuition coach. Angie, congrats on that. We'll um, maybe talk a bit about that as well. And she has her own podcast, the Business Intuition Podcast. And I'll put all the links to that uh, in the show notes, the episode intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. Anyway, welcome, Angie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so great to talk with you. Um, so I'm kind of curious because when I think of lawyers and attorneys, they're not, I mean, I, I guess they could be intuitive, but that's not, not the impression they necessarily give. They're always very logical and organized. Yep. So and how, I was a math you... head as well, like you in school. Oh, that was my forte. My and goodness. yeah, I know. And I fell into law maybe a little bit by chance because all the kind of options that I wanted to pursue, I wanted to be an astronomer and lots of different things. An astronomer? My, yeah, that's, that was my thing. That was my jam wow. back then. Wow. But then I realized it was 10 years studies and maybe not that many prospects uh, of jobs. And so I did the responsible thing. And so I went to see, um, you know, like one of those career counselors mm -hmm. who all my, made me do tons of tests. And she said, you'd be a great lawyer. And I was like, okay, let's give it a try. And yeah. it so happened that it was a, a double degree, translation mm. and law. And I was quite good at languages. Mm. So um, I took an exam in languages to make sure my level was um, enough mm -hmm. in English and yeah. Spanish, and I got in. So that's wow. why, that's how I became an international lawyer. Wow. I'm an international lawyer, not just a, yeah. a regular lawyer. No, no. I did mergers and acquisitions. I don't know if you know what that is. It's, it's like the yeah. top um, buying, selling companies, traveling the world. Um, I've been wow. to... All the continents except Australia, which is wow. kind of funny because that's the one, the only place I wanted to go. <laughs> but um, so yeah, and even negotiated in Spanish, um, Colombia, wow. Peru, Chile. Uh, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah, and you know, I'm sure you had to use your intuition to get the. I used my intuition a lot. I just didn't know I was because yeah. I never oh, considered yeah. myself intuitive. So. What would oh. happen is, um, but I've, listening to your podcast has really helped me to grasp um, mm. some of these aspects that I've been using for years. So mm. my boss would always put me on files that have never been done before. Mm. And they'd say, like, um, I worked in the telecom industry. And at the time, mm. um, it was the Ministry of Telecom. And oh. they were just starting on the contracts with private clients and they were just starting on networks for companies. 
And they had nothing. They had just, um, you know, one of those terms and conditions. And they said, well, you need to create a contract because these are companies. So I started doing that. I also worked on, um, this is going to be fun. I worked on, um, you know, submarine cable maintenance contracts um, with, uh, you know, worldwide um, and uh, satellites, transmissions, all sorts of things. And then there was another phase of what I worked on, which was more like privatizations of telecom operators all around the world. So that's where I went to Thailand. I went to many countries of South America. This sounds like the ideal uh, career. Why why did you give it it up? It was fun. Well, there's um, the thing is, let me explain. So first we were saying, I was trying to explain to you why I was already using my intuition, even though I didn't know I Mm. was. Mm-hmm. So I would see the solution right away and then I'd just put it together and then I did my research and it fit what I had seen. <laughs> and I thought everybody did that. Oh. So I never really mentioned it to anyone. Mm. So that's how my intuition worked. I literally wow. um I could write a contract like I remember we went to Washington to negotiate the first um mobile network um technology to bring it back to to spread it in Paris and same thing I just literally drafted the contract I'd never drifted I mean I had a sort of a model but I could write anything because I actually channeled it so but I didn't know I was so what, that was fun for, for listeners who don't know what channeling is what do you mean by channeling it means that I wasn't thinking about what I was writing most of the time mm. it would just come out mm. So it's like it came from your intuitive self or your higher self yes. or some other guidance. Yeah, it, it came and, easily. And, and you know, mm-hmm. for a lawyer, to write a contract is not usually easy. Mm, and that's how I distinguished. Because why do it other, why did other... and it's a very detailed thing and you have to be very precise yeah. and they worry, w- lawyers worry a lot about what could do go they? wrong. About what, yeah, they're so... kind of calm and confident. Is that just a front? I think it's the front and also they're hired for their capacity to worry and see problems. What an awful thing to be hired for. So well, you have to worry all the time. I don't know. I just, that's just how I see it. Yes. Um, I, I, I make sense to me, but I mean, I don't want to spend my whole day worrying. No, me neither. Me neither. Um, I mean, a so little bit I didn't of, really you know. fit in much because I was really mm-hmm. that positive person and that, you know, mm. let's find a solution for you. So actually, when I worked mm. in in-house, um, engineers mm. and commercial people loved me because I never mm. said no. I said, yeah, well, let's find a way to make this work. But I wow. know that I was very, I was the odd one. In Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, generally when lawyers come into deals, they try and kill the deal. Well, yeah. they don't try and kill it, but, you know, they worry about things and they bring up all these concerns. Yeah. And, contract now instead of being three pages is 300 pages yeah yeah um you know it's very hard to make it successful from a business point of view so yeah so it, what a loss to the legal profession when you left that career oh that's a try it's a very kind comment and it's actually what my um most of the the people in my team said when i left they said you're crazy you're mm. just crazy but i didn't really leave the universe kicked me out of my job Oh, so, how, yeah. How do you mean that? What when you say the universe kicked you out? What do you mean? Um, well, I so at the how to say at the peak of my career, yes. um, we launched this mobile international mobile operator on the stock exchange, mm. um, 
And my boss, who was half Scottish, half French, was offered the position of head of legal in this new entity because I knew it back to front because I'd doing the, the you know I did the data room, the due diligence, put all the contracts together, did all the transfers to prepare. I mean, we were a team, but I was like his his right hand. So he asked me to move to London with him, uh, not in the same apartment, but to be part of his team, and. Um, I just wanted to go to London, so I jumped on the occasion. But then a couple of years after I moved to London in this new team, I was a knowledge manager by then, which I love to do as well. I love you know knowledge and making people work together and training and all that sort of thing. Um, they decided to restructure the company and bring everything back to Paris. And by then, I was pregnant with my third child um, uh, from an Englishman, and I didn't want to go back to Paris. so. Um, I fought them a bit because they didn't want to um, fire me properly with a package, and and that's that's how it happened. It's dangerous <laughs> to try and fire an attorney without giving them a severance package. I'd have thought yeah, that was the worst yeah. thing. Well, you know, that's yes. sort of like you know trying to push the lion out of the cage, you know, without <laughs> giving them a piece of beef, you know. Yeah, well, I'm not I'm not that sort of lawyer, but I did fight for my rights and I got what I yeah and so I was left with this package um a bit of savings and no idea what I was going to do because I didn't really want oh. to go back to law I didn't want to be a solicitor and I wasn't mm -hmm. in London anymore that's the thing if I was in London I probably would have found another job in law um mm -hmm. but because I wasn't qualified as an English lawyer oh. I had to reinvent myself and I sort of gave myself permission to do all the things I've never given my, myself permission before. So I, I wanted to be an artist. So I dived into mosaics and I became, you know, I did lots of exhibitions, took part in my local art trail. I trained uh, first. I wanted to train in um, counseling because that had been something that I was interested in. But I realized I'd had to do three years and then again, the prospects of, Earning money weren't that very good. Sorry, that's not very good English. Um, I had two children already. So, you know, I was I had another one on the way. I was a single mum of two with another one on the way. So I decided in the end, I did listening skills, which was brilliant and which actually helps me a lot with intuition because oh. you need to learn to listen to, to be able mm. to access your intuition. Yes. And I thought I was a good listener, but honestly... Yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> when I did the listening skills course, which was a year long, I realized what oh a bad listener I was. Wow. So how does listening well help access your intuition? Well, because listening skills is about switching your mind off and being completely in the present moment. Oh. And being able to listen to a person without having, you know, that chatter in the mind. What am I going to say? When am I going to have a chance to chip in and say my bit? which is what most mm. people do in a conversation. Mm -hmm. It's really two dialogues that are trying to um, pile up on each other. Whereas mm. real listening is I hear you and mm. then you hear me. It's completely mm -hmm. different. Wow. Yes, maybe they should teach that in schools. <laughs> they should definitely teach it in school and they also should teach it to parents. That's my, yes. my core belief, yeah. And bosses. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. They, that's, and, you know, I home educate my youngest too, and that's the things, the kind of things I teach them. 
Oh, how cool. Yeah. They're in the best school, I'm sure. Well, I hope so. See? Best for them, hopefully. Yeah. I'm sure it's the best for them. I think homeschooling, generally speaking, is a lot better than going to a, a mm. state school, as we say in England, or a public school, as we say in the US. Yeah. Because um, I think, you know, schools are very regimented. They're yeah. Kind of and cutter, uh, graduates. And I happen to have four autistic kids, so it's very hard for them Ooh. to fit in. Yeah. Wow. Yes, makes it even more helpful. But, you know, I think ev nearly every kid can do better with homeschooling than they can in uh, a regular school. So, and I think that's, that's also why I'm so glad to be in business, to show mm. that it's possible to homeschool and mm. have a thriving business at the wow. same time, to mm. open up the possibilities for parents who who want to homeschool without to have to sacrifice their finances because it's a real mm -hmm. reality for parents. What, yeah. What's the secret to having a thriving business while you homeschool? Because homeschooling is almost a full-time job in, in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that. Um, well, I, I, I have one day dedicated to my business where my, my husband looks after the two children and the rest of the time I homeschool part-time and he homeschools part-time so we we join oh. we do it jointly so he's How got fabulous. his classic car business and i have my business intuition business wow how wonderful yeah um yeah i i actually i've said this before on the podcast i think traditional schools kind of stamp out use of intuition in children absolutely and you know what i saw that with my elder two because they were mm. traditionally schooled and mm -hmm. when they were little, they were both so intuitive. They taught me everything I needed to know about intuition. And it was literally hammered out of them through schooling. And now they don't want to hear anything about it. It's like, oh, it's mum's thing. You know, she's weird. We love her. but <laughs> mm. he's, <laughs> So he's that's motivated mom. me even more because I'm on a mission, Michaela. Mm. I'm on a mission mm. to put intuition on the school curriculum from primary school all the way to university wow starting with business schools that's yes. my mission i feel really really passionate because it yes. broke my heart to see my children who were both gifted intellectually and intuitively ended up mm. only using half of their gifts right because that's the only thing the only gifts that school honed basically yes the logical mind be you know yeah. obey the rules yeah. Um, use your logical mind, but don't use your intuition and don't use your creativity too much, if yeah. at all. <laughs> Certainly not in class. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's very interesting. I mean, um, and when you you know when you add it to teaching intuition to adults, really a lot of it is unlearning all the absolutely you know, covering up your intuition. Yeah. So. Um, Whereas, as you say, I think everyone is born with access to their intuition and creativity and playfulness. And, yeah. um, and then the schools, uh, unfortunately, and society kind of, you know, cover it up or rub it out, or make it not the right well, thing. We bury it because we don't want to be weird. Mm. Yes, heaven forbid. And bullied and all that, yeah. Yes. You know, we, the word weird in English, I believe, literally means kind of having extra 
you know, super powers, you know, supernatural. Nice. So, yeah, weird's a good thing. I think weird is the new normal. Hmm. I always say when people call me weird, I'm weird and wonderful. There you go. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So, so good together. Mm. Yeah. So you, you went into the void of not knowing what you're going to do, gave yourself permission to, uh, to play to play and try new things. Yeah. Um, so that's so great. I, I trained in that. clinical hypnotherapy. Oh, my goodness. And that was fascinating because it, thanks to clinical hypnotherapy, I understood how the mind worked. Oh. And the first benefit that I never expected to happen was that it, it cleared me of a writer's block that I had had for 10 years. Oh, my goodness. Like in an instant after training. And so I started yeah. writing again, but instead of writing in French, I wrote in English. Wow. Yeah. That's so challenging, writing in a foreign language. I find it almost easier to start mm. with because in French, I have this sort of censorship in my mind, whereas in English... Oh. So your internal mental, sen mental censor only speaks French? Mostly, yeah. She's, <laughs> she's, she's quite mean as well, so I just ignore her. Really? Yeah, she's She's, she's not mean. listening to this. Mm. <laughs> she, she knows. She knows. So... Um. I was writing this book about spirituality because I was fascinated by it. My, my biggest fa mm. fascination, even when I was a lawyer back in France, was about reincarnation. Oh. It's something that I just, um, I remember when I was 15 years old, and I'm, I was raised a Catholic, okay? My dad was um, mm. super, um, he was not a bigot. He was, um, he was a very genuine Catholic and very practicing Catholic. And... Um, when I was 15 years old, we used to fight a lot with my sister, my elder sister. And I remember clearly saying to her one day, look, we've chosen each other, right? Let's get on with it. Mm. And she just looked at me and was like, where did that come from? Because <laughs> it's not a concept from, you know, um, mm -hmm. Christian tradition. Um, so that's probably the first, you know, the first hint that maybe there was another life. Maybe I'd chosen my path. My, I'd chosen my parents, my sister. And when Amazon was created, Amazon.com, this became my personal library bookshop, whatever you want to call it, where I ordered all these books like Michael Newton, you know, mm. um, I think it's, is it Destiny of Souls and all those books? And I was just completely into that. Mm. Well, it is fascinating to realize we've had past lives and we have future lives and Sometimes we have parallel lives as well. And they can all, they're important because they can all affect our current life and create blocks or resistance yes. or successes. You know, I mean, often we think of past lives as causing problems, but, you know, often the skills we have, if you're good as an attorney, maybe you had a past life. As Absolutely. Before, or, or as a linguist. I've never understood why yeah. I speak languages so well. Yes. Maybe I've been English in a past life and that's why I speak English yes. so easily. Yes. It's entirely possible. Um, so it's a fascinating thing to look at, and it's a great way to heal stuff in your business or, um, you know, uh, in your life or relationships. What was the name of that book again? Destiny something or another? Destiny of Souls it? by Michael Newton. He's got Destiny two books. They're really famous. I'm trying to look in oh, okay. my library. And they're really – he was basically a psychiatrist, and his patients sort of – 
regressed into past lives spontaneously when he was working on them or whatever it was. Oh. And they described to him what happened between lives and how souls are triaged, so to speak, in the spirit world and how triaged. What, what, triaged what, yeah. Triaged. Like, oh, here's the new soul. Where do they go in heaven? <laughs> and all that oh. sort of stuff. It's really, really interesting. I mean, I read it 30 years ago, so I wouldn't be able to tell you what was in it, but that was what fascinated me back then. And then what happened is when I had my first born son, when he was about three years old, he told his dad, who was a lawyer and who didn't believe in any of that stuff, uh, oh. about his past life and how he died in a sword battle in the desert. Oh, my God. So my husband comes into the kitchen and, I, and tells me, um, I don't understand this stuff. And I'm like, oh, so excited. <laughs> my son remembered his yeah. past life. And what was the most fascinating aspect of this is that I know my first, my, all my children chose their names. I didn't. They, oh. they communicated their names to me when I was pregnant. And my firstborn son's name, and I'm not going to say the real name because uh, I, prefer, I want to protect his privacy, but it actually meant army man. You're listening to the Intuitive Leadership Mastery Podcast. Get detailed show notes on today's episode together with your free What Would It Take Business Intuition Guide at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com. And now back to today's show. Oh, and, and, he's, and all his entire childhood, he was obsessed with swords, like to the point wow. where it was, it was just, yeah, surreal. So it sort of confirmed to me that he was telling the truth. Well, I've read accounts of past lives, um, you know, young, and often young children do remember this stuff and then yeah. you know they're told it's make-believe and they should not talk about it and then they forget it but um you know there have been researchers have interviewed people you know someone who was a fighter pilot in world war ii and they they then research what the little you know three or four year old child had said about exactly you know they had all the details you know they knew yeah. the colors of all the instruments and everything and and they found the person they were before, and it all checked out. And there was no way this child had researched this themselves. No, no, um, for sure. So, and the same, I've read a lot of civil American Civil War uh, reincarnations, because a lot of people in the United States get reincarnated from people who are in those battles. And, you know, again, the details, you know, check out. So it's quite amazing. Um so it sort of was like this one little step. You know how you go, there's this, um, almost like mm -hmm. steps that lead you to through the next step. And then mm. my second child also talked about his past life to me. Actually, it, wasn't, oh. it was to me first and then in school. And the primary school teacher called me in because she was a little bit surprised. And basically <laughs> what it was... <laughs> No, but the thing is, miss, when, miss, I, miss, I had a past life. <laughs> it, I'll tell you exactly what happened. It was, it was just so good. Um, so he was sat in assembly and they were doing show and tell or whatever. And then they had the drill for the fire alarm. And so the teacher said, oh, well, we need to move in. And then when they came back into the, into the, the, the schoolroom, um, my son said, um, you know what? I, I miss, I, I died in a, in, in a fire. Oh, I was in the fire. He didn't say died. I was in the fire. So the teacher mm. said, well, you look good. You've recovered well. You know, you, you're really good. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, 
you're okay. Mm. And he looked at her exasperated and he said, when I was a mum. Oh. And so she dialed <laughs> at the end of the day, she called me in to say, uh, your son told me something a bit strange. <laughs> Would you oh. care to talk about it? But we ended mm. up having this wonderful conversation because she had a nephew and she was towards the end of her career. So she had seen lots of kids, but apparently she'd never come across one that was, it was so clear. Mm-hmm. But then she told mm. me about this ne- nephew of her that had said grandpa's dead in a, like a family gathering and they received the call to say that the, he was dead five minutes after the kid had said it. Mm. And so she was sort of open to the idea. So we ended up having an interesting conversation about this, but I knew from the detail that my son described how he died in the fire. He was only three or four years old or maybe, yeah, something like that, maybe five. It was impossible. First, I don't watch horrible, you know, documentaries about people who are in fires and who end up in the hospital with, you know, skin. um, What do you say that when you have to, Grafts? Is it skin grafts? Yeah. Stuff like yeah. that? But he yeah. was so precise about what happened and how, and I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you because it kind of broke my heart. It was awful to hear. Um, yes. But that was, that was when it, it nailed it for me. Like there was no turning back. The, mm. the past lives became real for me. And I had this desire to find out about my past lives. And that's why I trained as a clinical therapist. But what's really funny is the mm. moment I, I trained as a clinical hypnotherapist, I realized that I didn't want to regress people into their past lives. It didn't feel right to me. My intuition told me it wasn't right. Nevertheless, it, it, it had all these you know, benefits of me learning about the mind, learning the difference between the creative mind and the reptile brain, all that sort of thing. So that was really, really good for me. It, it is amazing. And um you know for anyone listening who hasn't investigated this you can work with someone who will help you do a regression to find your past life so you can just i sometimes work with an energy healer and she just works on healing you know if i have an issue in my business maybe i have some you know resistance around money or whatever the thing is or hiring then she will clear that not only in my current life but also in past lives. And then the issue just goes away. It's like, you know, amazing. And I I suppose it's really good we're talking about this because my main modality is business Akashic records. Ooh, now that's going to be a phrase not everyone's heard of. What is an Akashic record for those who don't know? So the other word for it is called the book of life. And -hmm. it's mentioned on most, in most um, spiritual traditions and religions as the container for a soul's journey through lifetimes mm. so it's the sum of everything that's happened to you um like wow. you your past lives your current lives your future lives everything is in that akashic record but i specialize oh, wow. in business ones because i have been shown that businesses have souls and so i can read the blueprint of a business and how it connects to their owner wow so it's sort of like um, all their subconscious and past lives and everything all recorded, I mean, in this spiritual Akashic record. But it's, it's almost just pure like, energy. Yeah. And it's, but it's sort of like they like had a video camera running through all their lifetimes and you've yes. got access to see what mm-hmm. went on. 
And then can you tweak around with that to heal things? Or how oh, absolutely. Is- In the records, you can do healings and past lives, current mm-hmm. lives, future lives. Um, I never really know what happens in the records when I get in there, mm. but we do what we have to do. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So what I feel- love about it is it shows me the highest potential for someone's business. Oh, well, that's something a lot of people who are entrepreneurs could do with getting to yeah. and often are frustrated because their business won't grow or they can never seem to hire the right people or their clients are a pain in the rear end or, yeah. um, you know, and maybe that is something that could just easily be healed like that if yeah. they de- change those energy patterns. So. I did once, not, not long ago this year, um, a session with a yoga teacher who could not mm. stand straight. Her, her shoulders were oh. always hunched and yes. it, it actually impacted her success because she felt there was something wrong with her. And yes. she was keeping herself small because she felt she was a fraud oh. because as a yoga teacher, yes. she didn't have the right posture. And right. when we went into her records, I'm not going to share the details again for no. confidentiality reasons, but we cleared all that. And she said, literally, when we were done, her shoulders had completely moved straight wow. and back and, 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 yeah. and it never went back to what it was. No, of course not. It's so, permanent. It's unlike, you know, if you get a massage, they might relax a bit. But if you do healing at a deep spiritual level, it just shifts it completely. Yeah. They don't need, the shoulders no longer need to be, for whatever reason, her shoulders were hunched, whether it was protecting her heart or dealing mm. with a burden on her back or whatever the thing was, spiritually yeah. speaking. She didn't need, and the same thing in business, you know, if you heal someone who has difficulty generating enough income, suddenly they get all these great clients, yeah. you know, it's amazing. I can see the blocks. Uh, yeah. in the records i can see what's oh. causing something wow um that is amazing so um and you wrote a book about this didn't you or well i did write a memoir which is not published yet but you can get the first oh. three chapters called the reluctant business akashic reader and it that's tells the story. Yes, that's me. It's how I went from being a lawyer to being a business Akashic reader. Oh. Where, um, where, where can people get these three chapters? They can find... Oh, that's a really good question. I'm not sure that... It's not on my website yet. Oh. I'm going to have to update that for sure. Yeah, put it so, on your website. Yeah. By the time this yeah. Let me pay, let me take. I'm going to write yeah. this down to create the page for the... Yeah. Um, while you take a note, I'll mention her website is the intuitionrevolution.co.uk and yes, we'll say you. that again at the end and we'll stick it in the show notes along yeah, with so, all our other social media links so i'm definitely going to create that um absolutely um, to make sure that um our you've had such a, a, a varied and creative life so far i, I just wonder what you're going to create in the next hundred years you know i'm not sure I'm not sure, but it's fun. I never know what's coming next. Can't you read your own Akashic record and see what's coming? I can. Oh, I know that my my mission, as we mentioned earlier, is to put intuition on the curriculum for sure. Mm. So that I was shown that. All those uh, MPs in Parliament retrained to use their intuition. I am. I am. But you're joking. But I was shown, and I'm I'm going to share this vision. Okay. 
Because in, in October 2017, I decided to invest thousands of pounds in my intuition with a mm. psychic who specializes in business. Mm -hmm. And it was scary to invest that much money in my intuition because that's not really mm. what people tell you you should invest when you're in business, okay? And mm. um, right after I paid for the course, mm -hmm. I went out and had a shower and I was shown a limousine mm -hmm. coming to take me to the headquarters of a CEO, oh. a really famous CEO. And so mm -hmm. I was shown that I was supposed to work with these CEOs and, and high-end politicians, not happened yet, um, to transform the way they look at things so that they bring more spirituality into what they do. Mm. And intuition as well, obviously. It was fun. I don't know. I had no idea. I was like, what what the heck is this? I, I have no idea. But does that mean you you also can help clients who aren't sure what their mission is for their yes, life? Absolutely. I've seen that. I also have seen people's niches. You know, you know how difficult it is to niche uh, when you have an online mm. business? Yes. Um there's also the People blocks, the mental blocks. They yeah. worry if they pick the right niche or should they even pick a niche? Maybe they should sell to everyone. Yeah. Like a scarcity mindset. So. And I can see the niche that's going to work for them at really? that point. Yeah, yeah oh, I've seen. valuable. Yeah. I've also been shown in the Akashic Records. That's why I call them business Akashic Records, because I've come across Akashic Record readers who were really far out, you know, like yeah. too, almost too around the soul and not enough about what it is to be on Earth and what we're here mm -hmm. to do on this planet. Mm. Who we're all into celestial beings and all that sort of stuff. And I have nothing against that, but mm -hmm. we're in business. We wanted something that we can apply. Mm -hmm. And I've even been shown with one lady that the exact funnel she was supposed to create, the three videos and what they should be and how oh that God. should pan out. It was fun. Yeah. She should have paid you millions. <laughs> <laughs> you should just say, look, just pay me 10% of what you make on this niche and funnel. And actually, my next client's probably going to be on a percentage base. Yeah. Yeah. No money up front. Why not? Then it's yeah. on the back. <laughs> yeah. That way, there's no risk yeah. for them. You mm. know? Um, just a crazy idea. <laughs> but it ties with our conversation about past lives because yes. it was already my interest, but I just didn't know. That's where um, I was going to end, if that makes any sense. Right. And I didn't know um, until I did that course. Actually, no, that's not true. I came across a really good book about Akashic Records. And when I read it, mm -hmm. I realized I'd been do doing that my entire life. Oh. It dawned on me because I realized, mm -hmm. um, I remembered an instance when I was eight years old. And mm -hmm. people would come to me for comfort. And I would say oh. things. Oh, that didn't feel that they matched the age I was. Right. I kept on thinking to myself, "This is this is not this is not right for my age. It it doesn't compute." Because mm. you were channeling it from yeah your higher self or past lives or something. And so I realized I channeled my entire life, which makes me a little bit different from the usual psychics who see, I, I never saw imaginary friends or anything, just words came out of my mouth. Well, I think everyone has a different way of accessing their intuitive information. You know, some people yeah. hear stuff, some people get visions in their mind, some people have dreams, you know, yeah. some people do automatic writing where it just gets, you know, the pen almost moves itself. I mean, yeah. um, 
So, you know, I, I don't think we need to judge how the intuition comes in anyone or get, give ourselves pressure that, oh, I can't do that thing that Angie does. Well, that's okay. Maybe you get your intuition a different way. And um, for the longest of years, I thought I was a fraud um, in the 15 mm. years I did tarot readings because I wasn't clairvoyant mm. and clairaudient and I was surrounded oh. by them. Yeah. So I really like what you just said. It's very important. Yeah, there are so many clairs. I think it was five or six. I forget. Clear. So clairvoyant is when you see things. Clear. Yeah. What was the other one? Clear. Clear audience, audience is when you hear things. Yeah. But um, I'm forgetting what all the clairs are. But uh, there's well, there's um, clair sentience. There's clair. Yeah. So clair sentience. Um, where you, when you, you feel it in your body. Like I've yeah. heard the investor George Soros when he's in a big billion-dollar position, when he gets a back pain, he knows he needs to sell right now. That's his clear sentence. Yeah. But you can have taste. You can have smells. Oh. You can be touched so as well. I've experienced clear, all of them. Clear. So that would be what's taste? Clear. I've got something. the names. I have a presentation about yeah. it because that's what I teach, okay. but I can't be bothered <laughs> with, with um, yeah, complicated words. <laughs> anyway, um, the, the important point for people listening is, you know, you could get your intuition different ways. And, and the other thing, my own experience, you can, you know, if you – if you're strong in one area, you can train one of the other areas if you work on it, if you want to, you know, we mm. don't have to, but you know, it's, um, I think it's about keeping an open mind. Yeah. And I, what I love is also signs. I think signs are great for people who are starting oh. on the journey and don't mm -hmm. feel that they're getting anything and might be mm -hmm. doubting themselves. Then signs can be really powerful. Well, I'm a great believer in animal signs. You know, if I see a, a weird, unusual bird or snake or some other animal or a group of animals or they're doing something weird, I always pay attention and I'll look it up in a, I use a book called Animal Speaks usually uh, by Ted Andrews that has great in, insight into mm. uh, that. And um, often there is a message there. Like the other day I was, climbing in the hills outside Cusco and, and I saw this dragonfly. Well, I've, I've never, in the 10 years I've been here, I've never, ever seen a dragonfly. You know, we're at 11,000 feet or 3,500 meters for those who are metric. Um, I've just never seen one. You know, I think it's a bit too high for them, you know. And dragonflies, one of the messages is this transformation, which, you know, spoke to me at the time. So... Mm. Yeah, there are many ways. Coincidences or is another yeah. way messages come. Synchronicities. Um, I love synchronicities, yeah. yeah. Or you'll just think of a friend and then they phone you, you know. Mm. Um, or like when you were writing contracts when you were an attorney, you just knew what the contract needed to be yeah. without having to logically think through all the things. So. Um, and I think that's true in all professions. I mean, I run a software company too, and you know, I can just, you know, if I'm trying to fix a bug in some program, I can sort of feel where it is and what to try if I just stop my mind chatter. <laughs> and, yeah. You know. And, you know, imagine a world where every professional would have this combination of intuition and intellect. Oh, it would be wonderful. We'd be so much more effective and powerful yeah. in our businesses um, and, you know, more flowing in our life. So, more fun, yeah, less more effort. Fun. Yeah, less less worry and stress. It would be more mm. playful. It would be like little, you know, young 
toddler kids playing, you know, instead of it making it into a big deal. And, you know, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine the other day and she was just burned out with her business. You know, she didn't have any joy in any of the tasks that she did, you know, because I asked her on a scale of zero to 10, how joyful is this task? How, you know, what number would you put on that task? And she was having difficulty getting above five out of 10. And it's like, if nothing in your business is a 10 out of 10 joyful, there's something not quite right. Mm, absolutely. So I gave her some help. Hopefully she'll get to a 10 out of 10. But, um, you know, Wonderful. I, yeah, because I think, I mean, I've, I, I forget what the subtitle to one of my books was, but I'm sure it had profit and joy in it. Yes, yes, um, yes. I have it somewhere. Um, ooh, not just yeah. next to me. Yeah. Not right next to you, no. Um, because I, I truly believe that in all businesses, if you only focus on the money and don't focus on the joy as well, you're not going to, the results will be much less. And, and, in, and even if you make millions of dollars, you're not going to be happy. You know, hmm. so um, nothing wrong with making millions of dollars, you know, but it, generally it's more important to enjoy it and have your staff and clients enjoy it and to do something meaningful for for you and them in the world. And for me, there's nothing wrong with having both the millions and the joy. Why Absolutely. Not? Have it all. Anyway, money's just energy. So, you know, mm. um, just a form of energy exchange in my view. But, mm. um, and that doesn't mean it's not important. You know, you've got to put it in the contract. You've got to be clear what you're expecting. Mm. I think. Yeah. You know. I mean, I don't know if you did this as an attorney, Angie, but um, I always think you save a lot of lawsuits and headache just by being super clear up front. What Absolutely. Everyone That's why people need contracts. Absolutely. Yes. Because in writing you are, you formulate things in a much clearer way. Mm. And it's, it's, it's a service to both you and your client because you know your boundaries. The boundaries are clear. And, and this becomes a really beautiful container for the relationship. Mm. If you have a doubt. And it means that you've discussed enough the relationship that you're clear on all the aspects. Mm -hmm. And that's relaxing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, mm. it provides a container for the work to go well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I didn't mention this book earlier because I couldn't remember the title, but, but just to pop back to the reincarnation, there's a great book I read, um, The Boy Who Knew Too Much by Kathy Bird. And she had a, a child and he was a genius at baseball. And he was a reincarnation of a famous baseball period player from the 1940s, Lou Gehrig. And he knew everything about Lou Gehrig's life, not because he'd read it in books, because he'd lived it. Mm. And it, again, it was the same thing as the story you were telling. When they researched what he said, they discovered, oh, well, that wasn't in his autobiography, but, you know, it actually did happen. So. I love that. Yeah. And yet with all these books, with all that research that's available, why is this knowledge not mainstream? Why is it still for people who are curious and open-minded? I don't know. It... Oh, I can tell you why it's not mainstream. Yeah. Would you like to hear my oh, view on Oh, yes, absolutely. Because those in charge of our society would find it incredibly inconvenient if billions of people had access to their intuition and could heal themselves and didn't have to pay lots of money to hospitals and could, you know, 
I mean, think how a lot of our world works. There's a lot of control to keep people in line and not have them be too naughty, you know, too creative. And how could you keep the people in line if they were all accessing their own intuition, knew that what you were telling them to do was a bunch of bullshit? Mm. It Wouldn't certainly be- challenges the lies, the cover-up, the, um, yeah. the fronts. Yeah. And, yeah, it got me into a lot of trouble as a child because I had a real mm-hmm. um, lie detector. I just mm-hmm. knew. Mm-hmm. And I looked at people straight mm-hmm. on and yeah it, it got me into a lot of trouble especially with my mum mm. well and you know that's one of the ways it's trained out of children to yeah. not speak to your intuition to not say the truth because yeah. it's too dangerous and yeah. um i think we've come to a point in humanity as we you know are all ascending in our own ways that people need to access their intuition and speak their truth and use their creativity and not just obey, you know, un- unthinkingly what people tell them to do. You know, we're not robots, we're human beings. Mm. I mean, and I think well, coming back to that point about what schools do, I think they train people to be effectively li- little robots, you know. Well, I looked into schooling and, of course, because of homeschooling and everything, and initially it was mm-hmm. to produce workers for the industry, you know. And so produce soldiers for the construct military too. Yeah, had- so it was to produce people who are compliant, mm-hmm. um, not people who are creative, and it's not changed that much. No. In 115 years or however long since uh, Bismarck in Germany created schools to make sure because the problem Bismarck had he was a German president in the 1870s and they created a conscript army you know because the other countries France whatever had conscript armies and the problem was that the conscripts couldn't read and write and they wouldn't obey orders can't have soldiers like that right they had to have some basic you know ability to follow orders and write stuff and what have you and 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 also at that time the military was changing it was becoming more you know, there were more machines. You couldn't, you just didn't use your brute strength with a sword in a battle. Now yeah. you had to understand how did the firearms work? How did all the other machinery work? So they had to train them up. And I know that sounds a little cynical, but the reason they had to have schools is so that they could have a better military. And then the other point, as you said, the industrialists needed people who, again, could follow orders and who you know, uh, could read and, and write. procedures, procedures. So, yeah. Mm. So they were like little robots. I mean, I, I know that's a mm. little naughty to say that, you know, but, um, well, there's a lot know. of conditioning that happens in school that we, mm-hmm. we're not even aware of because we're like the fish in the water. Yes. Just, to, just think back to school. I don't know if your school did this, but my school, Every time the lesson was going to end, a bell rang throughout the whole school, right? And then you, you knew you had to get up from that classroom, go to another classroom. Even if you were enjoying learning about geography or math or French yeah. or whatever the topic was, now you had to stop because, you know, everyone had to change. Yes. Well, how Pavlovian, right? Ringing a bell and now you have to do something. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And that's the beauty of homeschooling. That's why I feel very privileged. That I, I literally follow mm. the learning of my children. I oh, allow great. them to lead me. 
And mm. if they want to spend seven days doing only geography, which they don't, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or something else, then they do that. And then yeah, when or they're... dinosaurs or whatever they're yeah. into. You know, that it sounds like you're more doing, doing unschooling rather than homeschooling is what it sounds to me like. Yeah. Yeah. The difference being homeschooling is like a curriculum and you're kind of following yeah. it. The unschooling, the child says they've got an interest in maybe they want to write a novel. Maybe they want to start a small online business or whatever. And like, okay, well, you want to start a small online business. You're going to have to learn some stuff about computers. You're going to have to learn some accounting yeah. or whatever. Let's mm -hmm. learn that so you can build the best business or, you know. Yeah. And then they're motivated to learn it instead of what happens in school. It's like, well, here's how you do accounting or here's how you do arithmetic or whatever it is and it's, it's boring for most mm. kids because mm. they don't see the point you know why am i learning this stuff what am i going to do with it mm. so um yeah so um, what an interesting conversation absolutely now i i just want to tell people that angie has her own business oracle deck that she's going to wave in front of us right now for those yeah watching the it's not going to be on the it. podcast but yes i've created my own deck about a year ago and it's called angie's fabulous business oracle <laughs> deck and where can people get that actually they can't not yet oh, they can't. oh i got no. them they can't get it i know <laughs> i know that's awful but no it's not completely true my okay. vips get a deck as a bonus oh, when they sign okay. up with me and I will definitely oh, okay. do, um, you know, like a pre-order at some point this year, I'll in okay. small batches for people when they're interested. Okay. So, so if, if you're in my world, sign up to your, yeah, yeah, if they're they in my world, bonus, they'll know. Yes. But I, it was so much fun creating out. this deck. Like, look, um, this one's called industry. So you see this big, Ooh, you know, chimney I thing. Can read the words at the bottom for us? I'll, I was just going about to read it. It says, you are here to shake up yeah, your you industry. You are not... here to shake up your industry. Wow. So you have a business problem and you pull some cards and it gives you insight from your intuition. Yeah. As to what approach to take. What a great idea. So the way I usually use them is that I ask what... I mean, I could pull one for you right now just to have a bit of fun. Go and for I could it. ask. I'm what, pretty open, so. What does my, my killer like? Well, let's, business? let me say what well, the question is before you pull a card. No, there's no question. I ask, oh, oh, what does your business do. want you to focus on right now? Now, let's stop right there because <laughs> that's a really, in, I, I want to do it, right? But yeah. people listening may have missed something. You said, what does your business want you yeah. to do? Not what to focus you on. do yeah. with your business. And that's treating your business as a separate spiritual entity that's alive and it wants to grow in a certain way. And you either facilitate that and your business grows effortlessly or you resist it and then you have all kinds of struggles. Yeah. So I always ask people's businesses what they want their owner or their facilitator to focus on. So let's ask your business. Yes. Terrific. What does it want you to focus on right now? It's always fun. Okay. What does your business want you to focus on right now? Now, I'll tell you why I like Oracle cards. I'll explain to you a little bit. Big vision is your big card. Big vision. And what's it say at the bottom? You're not thinking big enough. Ooh. I like that. How does that. that resonate for you? Yeah, it resonates for me. More importantly, it resonates for my business. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because I can feel that when I, I need to talk to my business more, you know, in, yep. in, I do that sometimes, but I need to remember to do that. I wrote about it in my book on intuitive. I know, <laughs> I know. And then but I do know, the same, you know, we get in our routine. We forget. I know. Yeah. I need to have a little, maybe I can make a little like list of things I haven't used recently and just use one, you know, pick one for the week and play with that. Something mm. like that. So I rotate through and remember to use them. Mm. So, you know, I, I'll share the, I, I don't think I shared this on the podcast. I didn't share this before. This is a, woo, if I can keep this still. This is a, a deck called the Divine Feminine uh, Oracle by Lisbeth Chitha Giesman. And the great thing about this deck is that it's all women and they're all powerful spiritual women. And I pulled this card and it was about the uh, first wife of the Prophet Muhammad, who I never even knew who she was, but she was a single mom a successful businessman, and then she she Woman. had their intuition. A businesswoman, yeah. Sorry, thank you. That's okay. <laughs> and um, it's raining here, so I hear a lot of rain on my roof, so it's kind of getting in my brain. Um, so just to go off on yet another tangent. When I hear rain, I think of every drop of rain as being a drop of love from God falling into my body. So. Oh, wow. Uh, I love that. A lot happier. Yeah, it makes me feel a lot better about rain instead of being irritated by it. You know, this is mm. preferably when I'm dry inside listening to it, but it can work outside too. Um, anyway, she was a single mom. She was a successful businesswoman. She had an import-export business in Arabia. And she had this vision that she was supposed to marry this new employee who was like 10 or 20 years younger than her. Um and so she did, and she supported him in his, you know, she was the first person to hear his, uh, what do you call that, revelation from the angel, I forget exactly. I'm not a great Islam, whatever. Um, I haven't studied it. No, um, me neither. But, um, anyway, he had a vision. She was the first person to hear his vision. She, she like, had an intuition she needs to marry him. And she's the most important was woman in Islam. And she com coming back to what you said about being a business, a spiritual business person, that you both access these spiritual gifts and you're good at the stuff in the third dimension with money and contracts and what have you. She was like that, right? She had a, she continued to have a business and she had this great spiritual side. So you know you can have it all. So I like um, to hear that, and I think people need to hear that as well. I think so. And her name, and this was like. 1400 years ago or I, it was a long time mm. ago so um her name was uh, i'm going to probably mispronounce it but i'll put the name in the show notes um i'm going to say it as uh, kad kadi ha i think that's how you say it probably there's more you know guttural sounds because it's arabic mm. and then the other woman i just want to slip into the episode because she's fascinating to me uh was mary magdalene you know the what some people say was the wife of jesus and Tell us, you, you're writing about her now, I think, right? Well, I, I wrote um, a novel and a, a film script about her. Uh, it's not exactly Ooh. her. It's more um, because I live next to Glastonbury and I discovered her through visiting Glastonbury. You live next to Glastonbury with all those towers yeah. and pyramid things? and oh Yeah, well, God. about an hour and, and 10 minutes, which is close, oh. isn't it? Oh. Yeah. yeah, not like right there. 
But I discovered uh, Glastonbury when I was a lawyer, actually, because my company sponsored Ooh. the um, musical festival back then. Oh. And immediately I thought there was something special about the word. And I was still living in London then. But when I moved to Bristol, that's the first place I went to visit. And I discovered that it's literally this sanctuary for Mary Magdalene. Um, there was even a, a, a whole shop. There after the crucifixion or something? She went to France and then she went to Glastonbury? Or what yeah, I think yeah. she did both. And so I went on this research about her because um, I just found her fascinating. And I ended up writing a novel, which is not about her. It's about a lawyer who faints every time she enters a church, which is a problem for her because she's getting married. And so she has to solve that problem and she goes to a clinical hypnotherapist. And you can see that my entire life has prepared me to write this novel because I have an insider knowledge about what it's like to be a lawyer, a clinical hypnotherapist and everything else. So it's, it's been a lot of fun writing that book. And in her first session, even though she says to the clinical hypnotherapist that there is no way she's getting into that woo-woo stuff of past lives, she spontaneously regresses into uh, the life of Mary Magdalene and she's about to get be, be married to Jesus. So it's the, it's the um, I can't even see, think of the word in English, the nos de Cana, and the, you know, the wedding of Cana, uh, except she's there and she's marrying Jesus. And, and then the, oh. yeah, the wedding of Cana is, is Jesus' wedding basically, in my book. Wow. And so it takes What's us through. coming out? Uh, well, I'm looking for an agent, so. Um, oh, well, if anyone listening knows a good book <laughs> agent. Then, uh, it's, it's so much fun, that story, though. But it, for me, it's, it's a way to bring, it's a very important story, the story of, of Jesus and Mary Magdalene, in the sense that oh. I feel that in the Christian world, it's, it's an, an, an old male sort of spiritual I mean, well, there is there sure, is Mother Mary. Kind of, I mean, but, but it's weird. Mother Mary's yeah. the mother. There's no wife, yeah. and and yeah. you know, being a Catholic, you know, mm. priests are celibate and all that sort of stuff, and it's very yeah, twisted. But, uh, back when Jesus was around, all all, and I say all, the rabbis were married. Exactly. You could not be a rabbi and not be married. They would think very weird thoughts about you. Yes, that's true. And he was a rabbi. Yep. Right. He was a preacher. He was a bit of a weird rabbi, according to the other rabbis around, right? Because they didn't yeah. like him. He was a bit too radical for them. But he obviously would have been married. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I, my view is that the, the church and Christianity got manipulated, you know, around between 100 and 400 AD, and they cut out all the female yeah. intuitive. Because if you've read the Apostle of uh, Mary Magdalene, which you can find online, or you can buy it as a you know collection of books. I've got a book called The Other Bible that has all the books that got thrown out in the Council of Nicaea around 400 AD, and hers one of them. She's very into the intuitive approach to spirituality that you receive messages and mm. what have you. Well, if you want to be in control of people right you can't have a religion where people get their own spiritual messages they have to get their spiritual stuff through the priest through the bishop yeah. through the pope yeah right yeah and also if you want to have a patriarchy which is a hierarchy right which is much easier to control right if you have a hierarchy where you've got you know the boss at the top and then you've got managers and so on and in the case of the church it's the pope and the bishops and the priests and whatever the other i don't know all the terms in the catholic church but it's a hierarchy 
right? Yep. If you can corrupt the people at the top, you control the whole organization. And so if you want to control humanity, which I think is what is what has happened, then you want hierarchies. Whereas mm. the, the, often the feminine approach to things is to have more of a circle, there's more equality and there's more cooperation. And then you can't just corrupt one or two people and control the whole organization. Yeah. And it's it's funny you came to that because I'm actually trained as a circle holder. Oh. And um, I think that should definitely be something brought into the business world. Yeah, business I, circles. I think, yeah, there's a, a lot of value and a, a lot of value for the individuals, a lot of value for the business. Mm. Um, a lot of untapped potential in most businesses. Mm. Um, so... Um, we'll see. We'll get intuition in first, and then maybe we'll yeah. push the circles on the so, second. Second. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So let's uh, wrap this up. Um, I've got a couple of questions that I ask all my guests, and then we'll tell people about where to find you um, if they're interested in your books or your upcoming podcast or upcoming. Oh, we didn't. Deck. We didn't mention. Did we mention the Business Intuition Academy? I don't think so. Oh, what's that? Um. It's an academy I started this year, and it's it's a blend of business and intuition and how to help. It's mostly online female entrepreneurs mm-hmm. um, use their intuition to niche, to message, to market, to plan, and all that sort of thing. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, they can find that on your website, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you have so many skills and so many things you're doing. It's amazing. So, uh, and what a great mission you have to bring business intuition into learning at different levels. So, but don't we um, have the same mission on some level? Very similar. Um, my, yeah, mine is to get people, entrepreneurs to open up to using their intuition as well as their logical mind. So very similar. To, I, I'm not so much into the curriculum part. I think that's more your. Yeah. And I have angle. no idea how it's going to happen. At this stage, I just know that that's what I'm supposed I to do. Yeah. Mm. Um, anyway, the first question is, why are you proud to use your business intuition? Because so many people hide their intuitive skills when they're in business. It's taken me a long time to be proud of it. I hid it for years. Mm. Um, but now I'm proud because I know that intuitive intelligence is a higher form of intelligence. Mm. The combination of the two and you tap into something bigger. I have mm-hmm. business intuition guides, uh, sorry, business spirit guides that I work with mm-hmm. and I absolutely love. Mm-hmm. And these were people who, um, well, there's, I have my main business guide who, when he was running his business, valued intuition highly. Mm. There's no coincidence, is there? No. I mean, that's a great uh, way to look at it. And that's a tool I um written about news have a spiritual advisory board you have a regular board of directors but you can have a spiritual advisory board and the great thing about that is you can pick anyone right alive dead imaginary you know you could put superman on it if you wanted to if you thought superman was going to be good at doing mergers and acquisitions for some reason or um well i've had i'll give you some examples of some guides that have come in so mm. but at the same time, at one point, there was too many guides and I got confused. So I actually appointed mm. my main business guide as the mm. a general manager of my, my board. Mm. 
Uh, and I, I do, it's funny because I never read your book before I did that, but I do have a meditation where I go into my boardroom. And so mm -hmm. I have my general manager and mm -hmm. he brings in wh whoever is appropriate yes. for the job. So Chanel oh. has come at some point. Wow. I've had um, Einstein likes to come quite a lot, Mozart as well. I know they're mm. all famous and I'm not like name dropping, but it's a lot of fun because they bring the skills that I, and I don't, it doesn't always make sense to me, but mm -hmm. I trust it. Yes. No, it's a great way to get business advice and get other insights. And you can, like you say, you can bring in particular guides. You know, if you have a sales question with a big client, maybe you bring in someone who's got that ability or marketing, yeah. you bring in different people or whatever. So great. My grandfather's come in as well. He was um, in a bank and, and he's actually Ooh. become one of my client's main business guide, which was really fun. <laughs> Completely out, you know, like from left field. I never saw it coming. And, but it made more and more sense when I, I realized and I, I, I know my client and what she stands for and, and mm -hmm. it made sense, complete sense mm -hmm. in a crazy way, but wonderful. No, yeah. I get it. How beautiful and beautiful for your grandfather's spirit too. Yeah. Because people might not understand that when people die, they don't die, but that's another topic for another podcast almost. But they're still interested in the same things as they were interested mm -hmm. when they were on Earth. So mm -hmm. all the businessmen of this world who have died are still interested in business and, and they have a much mm -hmm. bigger perspective than we do. They see the bigger mm -hmm. picture so they can be our helpers mm -hmm. in a much better way mm -hmm. than, than even when they were on Earth, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and they have less ego involved exactly so and also you don't have to pay them yeah as well i mean other good. than gratitude and appreciation yeah. mm. um but so second question is what would it take to make business intuition more openly used this year i think my podcast hopefully will help with that i know yours definitely has mm. um Something really fun happened today, actually. I was talking to another lawyer, and, and I realized that my memoir is probably going to be of a lot of interest for lawyers. And I never, mm. it never even crossed my mind until I talked to her. And she said, mm. oh, my God, I really want to read your memoir. Mm. So all it takes, I think, is to take the first step and let the energy guide you and take you wherever it wants to take you. And I'm definitely mm. up to doing that. And I think it kind of, if I can invite anybody listening to this podcast and listening to your, um, to you as well, to just follow the energy, follow the where it goes. It's, it can be so much fun. You know, I it see the intuition be. as water that flows mm. and it goes around the boulders. It just takes you where you need to go. You might not think it's the way you th it would have been if you had thought with mm -hmm. your intellect, you know. Um, but it always will take you where you, you're supposed to be. That is great advice. Um, if people want to find you online, what's your website, Angie? It's intuitionrevolution.co.uk. All right. And I'll put the links for your Facebook page. You've got a Facebook uh, group for female entrepreneurs who want to improve their intuition. And along with your YouTube channel and Clubhouse, Twitter, you're on everything. <laughs> um i yeah uh, not active on all of them at the same time I, I suppose facebook is really my jam i've been on there for a long time and i feel comfortable there uh, i go live mm -hmm. regularly 
Um, but I have really enjoyed Clubhouse. I don't know if you're on there. I love the audio only. Um, and of course, mm. as podcasters, we do, but we also do video. And, and most mm. of my podcasts have been recorded with video. But when you're just on the voice, I feel I go so much deeper. I mm. have um, my club is called the Intuition Hour. Ooh. And so I invite people to come and just ask me anything they want. So I have um, on a Wednesday, and it's probably not going to be very friendly for you in, um, in US time, at 7.30 in the morning, um, I have an hour where people just can come and ask me questions. 7.30 yeah. UK time, yeah, that's like in the middle yeah. of the night, American. But yeah, but it's fun. And, and who knows, I might add some more US-friendly times at some point. But at the moment, it's yeah, it's at that time. It might be okay for people in Pacific time, perhaps. Yeah. I yeah, I have actually all, all night owls. <laughs> I, have, I have quite a lot of night owls who come in and uh, yeah, pop in. And yeah. I find that not having the visual helps me to connect to my intuition better. I don't know if that's something mm -hmm. that you've experienced as well, but on Clubhouse, I love it mm -hmm. for that reason. Less distraction. Yeah, Less distraction. yeah. exactly. Um, cool. Well, it's been fabulous talking with you. I wish you great success with your mission to bring intuition to people throughout the world through their schooling and through their businesses so and i'm looking forward to your new cards and books coming out thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure talking to you get detailed show notes on today's episode together with your free what would it take business intuition guide at intuitiveleadershipmastery.com create a fabulous and profitable day what would it take